You're listening to the micro version of the Savage Lovecast, www.savagelovecast.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Lovecast. The only leverage you have over your family, your family of origin, your biological family, Perhaps your landed entitled family is your presence. If they can't treat you with respect, if they can't treat your partner or partners with respect, you're going to have to use that leverage. You're going to have to absent yourself. You can attend whatever family events you care to, Christmases, funerals, weddings, but don't feel obligated to show up when you know, when it's been made clear to you again and again, that you will be judged, shamed, manipulated, mistreated, or abused. You don't have to accept an invitation to get punched in the face. You don't even have to RSVP. In case you fell and hit your head a week ago, Prince Harry, second son of Prince Charles, grandson of Queen Elizabeth, once third in line for the throne of the United Kingdom. Prince William was the heir. Harry was the spare until William and Kate started having kids. And yes, it is stupid that the travails of this one family occupy so much of our collective cranial real estate. Anyway, Harry and Meghan... The Duke and Duchess of Sussex announced last week that they will be stepping back from their roles as senior members of the royal family and splitting their time between the UK and Canada in the future. Oh, and making their own money. Oh, and they reportedly didn't run this plan by grandma first. They just announced it on their shared Instagram account, blindsiding the rest of the royals with the news that Harry and Meghan weren't going to be as present in the future as they have been in the past. I kind of doubt, I really do doubt, I'm not filleting myself here, I doubt that Harry and Meghan are listeners, but I gotta say, they do seem to be following my go-to advice for adult children with shitty families. They're using the leverage they have, their presence, maybe in the hopes of leveraging better treatment out of their family, and failing that, they won't have to show up to get punched in the face as much. Either way, whether they're taking my advice or not, they win. I have some advice for Canada too, also unsolicited. You see, Queen Elizabeth isn't just the queen of the United Kingdom. She's also the queen of Canada and a few other places you've probably heard of, like Australia. Anyway, Canada is a constitutional monarchy, and Elizabeth is the head of state, the sovereign, the monarch. She's on the 20 up there, and a majority of Canadians want to keep their constitutional monarchy. Maybe they look over the fence at our imperial presidency and think, yeah, no. But, quote, some Canadians question the relevance of the queen's position in Canada, writes the CBC in part because the nominal top official lives in another country and her position passes down to her descendants. It seems to me that if Canada wants to keep the monarchy, if it wants to remain a constitutional monarchy, if Canada wants to also rake in a brand new kind of tourism revenue, Canada might want to think about inviting Harry and Meghan to be the king and queen of Canada when Elizabeth, now 93 years old, passes away, found a Canadian royal family. Stick some actual royals in an actual palace and fly the maple leaf flag over it, troop the colors or whatever, and pick the pockets of the American tourists who will pay good money just to stand outside and watch. My pockets included. All right, coming up on today's show, tons of your cues, lots of my A's, and on the Magnum edition of the Savage Lovecast that you can subscribe to at savagelovecast.com, twice as much show and no ads, author and podcaster John Moe joins us to talk about the hilarious world of depression. All that coming up on today's show. This episode is brought to you by Helix Sleep, the best mattress for your individualized comfort. Right now, my listeners get up to $200 off all mattress orders 
at helixsleep.com slash savage. This episode of the Savage Lovecast is brought to you by Talkspace, online therapy that makes it easy to get extra mental health support. For $100 off your first month, go to Talkspace.com and use the offer code SAVAGE. This episode of the Savage Lovecast is brought to you by Everlane, luxury basic clothing and accessories made at ethical factories without those retail markups. For free shipping and to support the Lovecast, go to Everlane.com slash SAVAGE. Hi, Dan. Longtime fan, first-time caller. I'm wondering, so I sometimes get horny like everybody else and sometimes I want to masturbate just to help me fall asleep. So my question to you is this, is it inappropriate to masturbate next to your partner while they are sleeping in the actuality that you're not staring at them, you're not like involving them in any way, you're just kind of masturbating to help you fall asleep, but they happen to be next to you and they don't know about it. There's nothing inappropriate about having essentially an ambient wank next to your sleeping partner. There is, however, something potentially inconsiderate about having an ambient wank next to your sleeping partner. It could wake your sleeping partner up. If you are masturbating, if you know, your guy and jacking off, that makes the bed rock a little bit. I don't know your masturbatory technique or what it's like. Maybe it's more subtle and it doesn't involve that jacking motion that can rock a bed. But it's possible that your technique is such that potentially you could wake your partner. And it's also possible your partner's laying there awake, wasn't yet asleep, was trying to go asleep, they, and they know you're masturbating and they feel rejected or excluded because you didn't initiate, you masturbated. So I would encourage you to have a conversation with your partner about your need for the occasional ambient wank. The fact that you don't want to or need to involve them in it in any way, that this is a utility wank, this isn't necessarily about desire or horniness, it's just to help you fall to sleep. And ask them to speak up if you're ever having an ambient wank and it disturbs them or wakes them. Uh, if it routinely wakes them, maybe it's been waking them all along and they just haven't said anything, so they don't want to make you self-conscious, make you feel bad, you can excuse yourself and go lay in another room and have your ambient wank and then return to bed. If they would like to be involved, perhaps you could have an ambient wank together. Get your partner's buy-in to this really normal activity. A lot of people masturbate to relieve stress. A lot of people masturbate at night because it helps them fall asleep. It's a fine thing for you to masturbate for those reasons, but be considerate if there's someone laying next to you in bed that you're not disturbing their sleep. If you have a partner who's a light sleeper, a partner who has difficulty falling asleep, you having that wank that puts you to sleep could wake them up and it could be hours before they fall back to sleep. Just be considerate of your partner. And if your partner is fine with it and on board, enjoy your ambient wake. Hi, Dan. Um, I'm a 32-year-old straight female in a monogamous relationship of seven years. My issue is that lately, the last couple months, my female friend has been flirting with me pretty hardcore. And my boyfriend is totally in it and wants to uh, potentially open up our relationship and everything's great. However, I have this secret, I guess. In high school, I was uh, attracted to women and I asked one of my friends out and she told her mom, who told my mom, who threatened to follow me on campus to protect her from me, threatened to pull me out of public school so I wouldn't be tempted. And my dad told me if I did anything like that again, I would be kicked out of the house. Flash forward to now, I am 
really interested. She seems really interested. My boyfriend's interested. But I feel like if I do this, everything's going to fall apart. And I just feel kind of sick about it. Is there is that common um, to, to be excited and sickened by the same thing? I don't know. It sounds kind of weird when I say it out loud. Um, and it's not something I feel comfortable talking about to either of them. When you say you're afraid that everything could fall apart if you do this, do you mean the relationship? Do you mean that this is going to dredge up the basically horrific homophobic shaming your parents subjected you to when you were a child and those threats and you're going to you're the one that's going to fall apart that you're going to have kind of a meltdown if you get in bed with a woman kind of all of the above (laughs) well (laughs) well, let's address them one by one you know your relationship could fall apart for all sorts of different reasons Uh, i don't want to be pollyanna about this there are a lot of people out there where they have a three-way and something shifts or their partner is so interested in the third person that it destabilizes the primary relationship or it turns into an affair, like all sorts of things could potentially go wrong. Those things can potentially go wrong in monogamous relationships too. people cheat. Right. Right. And, and people have affairs and, and things fall apart. And sometimes things fall apart for reasons that have nothing to do with sex. And, you know, sometimes things fall apart because you had a sexual adventure. Sometimes things fall apart because you aren't having sexual adventures. The relationship stagnates. Yeah. People get bored. They they feel like the only way I can ever, you know, really express myself sexually or or have the freedom I want or the variety I want is to get out of this relationship. And people will sabotage relationships to get that. So there are no guarantees, and anything could fall apart at any time for all sorts of different reasons. A three way could be a reason, but also you know being in a relationship where you can never have a three way could potentially be a reason. That makes sense. That actually, yeah, that does make sense. So I think the questions you need to ask yourself if you're contemplating having a three-way, the questions everybody needs to ask themselves when they're contemplating having a three-way. What are you comfortable with? Are there certain sex acts you want to reserve just for you and your primary partner? So with the third person, it's just kind of oral and rolling around. Uh, If it's about you getting with a woman for the first time, is it about you and her and he observes and and hangs back and it's not about his dick at all? Uh, You need to talk about what it is you want. With an understanding, you know, I think that if it's successful that first time, if everyone's boundaries are respected, including your thirds, their desires have to be taken into account too. It has to work for them too. But if boundaries are respected and it's sort of a limited repertoire that night, you may be more comfortable expanding those boundaries going forward. Now let's talk about your parents. Okay. Fuck your parents. Have you ever asked them to apologize to you? No. <laughs> no, they would not. <laughs> what kind of relationship do you have with them now? Uh, I don't have any with my mom, but my dad I talk to. And what are you gonna, uh, afraid is going to happen if you have sex with a woman? That they're somehow secretly going to know there's going to be a disturbance in the homophobic force and they're going to figure it out? <laughs> What's your concern? Well, I think it's just more like if it's more than just like one night and it's like more like a relationship that they'll find out because it would be harder to hide. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to be judged and shamed again. Yeah. You get to run your parents on a need to know basis and sometimes on a get to know basis. And if your parents are appalling homophobes still, and that's not something that you want to drill down on and get them to move on or change on, they don't need to know that you're seeing a woman that you're having three ways with your boyfriend and other women, if it's 
other women and not this particular woman forever. If you get into a relationship with a woman, you're not, your mother's not in your life. And it sounds like you and your father talk occasionally. Those conversations with your dad aren't under oath. You're not being deposed. You don't have to tell him everything or offer up answers to questions he hasn't asked. And presumably he's not going to ask you whether you're eating a lot of pussy these days. That, no. <laughs> and I think you need to make that sort of psychological shift that all queers who were raised by homophobes and homophobic families, which, you know, for most of recorded human history was all queers. You have to make the shift to anger and away from terror that what was done to you was wrong and it was hateful and your parents were assholes and you're not going to let their prejudice and, and really the child abuse that they subjected you to limit you going forward and some part of you is going to enjoy doing what you want despite the shame the judgment the bullying the threats that you were subjected to it's one way of looking at your life and saying i am an adult with full control and full agency and i get to make my own choices and it's not up to my parents whose genitals i'm pressing my face into anymore yeah i've never really thought of it that way i I guess i never really made it to anger i'm just kind of afraid (laughs) they what they did when you were a a child that was really scary the way they terrorized you followed you around threatened to throw you out of the house that's terrifying for a child you were really vulnerable yeah and especially because i don't know if i mentioned it but like my mom threatened to follow me on campus and i had to like ask a counselor like is that even possible like can she follow me between classes and they're like no she can't so that made me feel a little better but yeah, because she said she had to protect her from me, and ugh, it was awful. It was like the worst year of my life. I'm so sorry. You know, <laughs> yeah, I, I was raised by people who were mildly homophobic in comparison to your parents, but still homophobic. Very homophobic church. Very homophobic. Uh, you know, society of teenage boys around me in my Catholic high schools. There was some part of me when I first started having sex with dudes that was like, fuck all y'all. I'm enjoying this dick. <laughs> right? Instead of like, yeah. oh, boo-hoo-hoo, I have a dick in my mouth. Everyone told me this is wrong, but I can't resist. <laughs> boo-hoo. Part of me was like, you know what? I have a fucking dick in my mouth and it's awesome and fuck all y'all. <laughs> and you have no idea. And you were all wrong about this dick in the mouth thing. It's amazing. And that's where you have to, (laughs) that's where you have to get. And sometimes that's an act of will. Part of it though, is allowing yourself to, you know, feel the fuck out of your feelings, you know, tell your boyfriend and this woman, if you do and go through with this and decide to have this experience and go slow, take baby steps. Maybe that first time is just making out. Maybe the first time you guys are going to like be intimate, go to some like sleazy bar where people like grind on each other and do it in public the first sort of like making out so that it can't progress past that. You know what I mean? Those sorts of baby steps, bumpers for you, but tell them like, you know, this is on some level really tough and I might have a moment where I need to be comforted and and hear that it's okay. And I need to know before we all get undressed and jump in bed that it's okay. If I have that moment where I need to hear that it's okay and that you guys are not going to be angry if we have to like have an ice cream break. Yeah. And, that's, okay, cool. And I need to have a little bit of a cry. Yeah, I guess I was just thinking that if I am not perfect at it, then like I ruined it, you well, know? You like, perfect at straight sex the first time you had straight sex? First time you and a dude did it? Right? No. Okay, so you're not going to be perfect. <laughs> the, the, the problem with sex is always when people 
you know, think it'll be awkward if they don't know exactly what they're doing. So they want to pretend they know everything they're doing and make it perfect. No, that always guarantees awkwardness and crack ups saying, you know what? I've never done this before and this is going to be a little awkward and I'm a little nervous. A, then if it's awkward and you're a little nervous, everyone's expectations were set to a point where you don't feel like you're disappointing everyone, you know, or ruining it. But I think you're less likely to feel awkward in the moment if you said, this might be a little awkward for me. Just verbalizing it can lessen the chances of things getting awkward because you have permission to feel awkward and then often paradoxically you don't. Okay, baby steps. That sounds like a much better idea than just holding everything inside forever. (laughs) (laughs) It is. Get angry at your parents. Write them a letter whether you send it or not, telling them that what they did was wrong. If you know, if you wouldn't mind your dad exiting your life, blow up at him on the phone about it the next time you talk. It's it's hard with family. Like I love my dad. Like you know, I don't. That's why I say I, if I you don't him. mind if he exits your life. If you do mind and you just want to eat this to keep the peace or keep what part of him in your life you'd like to have in your life, I respect that choice, and you can make that choice. That's thank a, you. That's why my first option was write that letter, whether you send it or not. Okay, that's probably a good idea to just write it and then like burn it or something. Eh, or file it away because you might change your mind in five years or want to send it then and not have to start all over. That's true. Good luck. Enjoy that. You know what? Stop being cheated of this experience that you want to have, of, of your capacity to be you know, sexual and attracted to other women. Your, your parents took that from you in a violent way and you need to seize it back. It's yours and you have a right to it. Well, thank you so much. I don't know why. I feel so much lighter now. <laughs> thank you. Enjoy. Baby steps. I think. Bye. Bye. Without support, goals can feel impossible. No wonder only 8% of Americans stick with their New Year's resolutions. There's no one-size-fits-all way to meet your goals, but if you want to make sustainable, lasting change, try Talkspace. It's the most convenient and affordable way to get the support of a licensed therapist. Match with one of their over 5,000 therapists based on your preferences from the privacy of your device. Your therapist will provide ongoing guidance and support so you can see concrete change at your own pace. It's like a personal trainer for your life, and you never need to go to an office or schedule appointments. They have over 5,000 therapists trained in over 40 specialties, learn stress management, communication skills, behavior hacks, and useful tips to help achieve your goals. Start 2020 off strong with Talkspace. It's the support you need to help you achieve your goals at a price you can afford. And you get $100 off your first month when you use the promo code SAVAGE when you sign up. Don't wait for another year to go by. No matter what 2019 was like, set yourself up for success in 2020. Match with your perfect therapist today at Talkspace.com or download the mobile app. And don't forget to use the promo code SAVAGE for $100 off your first month. That's Talkspace.com, promo code SAVAGE. Hi, Dan. I'm a cisgender female living in the Midwest. I recently started dating a man um, who told me that he is bisexual and cross-dresses. When he shared all this with me, I was kind of surprised after knowing him, but um, I was actually very aroused. And I find the whole thing very sexy, um, fantasizing about him wearing women's clothes, even him having sex with other men. So there's no issue with that. And we talk about it a lot. Um, Really great communication. But my question for you is, I fear that I am beginning to eroticize this man and kind of only seeing him through this one lens um, of his life, which 
I think is kind of unfair. And I want to, you know, get to know him as a complete person. And, um, you know, we are hoping to eventually be in a relationship. Um, so it's not just completely sexually motivated. But then I also wonder, am I overthinking this? Because if this were just a heterosexual man that I was sleeping with, I wouldn't be questioning whether or not I was over-sexualizing him. So this has brought up a lot for me and, you know, my sexuality and things that I didn't know about myself. So I guess I'm just looking for maybe some advice or your take on it and how to navigate the situation where it doesn't become ruined. All right. I need you to turn around. See that tiny pinprick of light behind you? That's your asshole. You have crawled so far up into your ass. You have disappeared. You need to crawl back toward that pinprick of light and crawl the fuck out of your own ass. You are dating a guy who's a cross-dresser. He is excited about cross-dressing. You are, have realized that this excites you too. You have this in common enjoy it. He is probably psyched that you are not just into him and therefore willing to tolerate, but into him and Yahtzee into this too. This is, should be filed under not a problem, except perhaps that the culture has beat it into you that you should be self-conscious about sexualizing your partner in ways in which he wants to be sexualized and has probably longed to be sexualized by his female partner all his life. That's okay. You aren't sexualizing your partner in an inappropriate manner. You are meeting a deep-seated need of your partner's. He's probably psyched at how affirmed he feels by your, not just, again, willingness to tolerate, but the fact that you are into this. It'll be easier for you to enjoy it and (laughs) indulge him and get into it if you get the fuck out of your own ass. Stop worrying about it. Stop wringing your hands Go buy him some panties that you want to see him in and enjoy. Finally, you seem to think that there's something at cross purposes about enjoying this and getting to know him as if you can't do both at once, as if enjoying this isn't an important part of getting to know him, just as if he was a completely vanilla straight guy, enjoying his sexuality and whatever appealed to you about him would be an important part of getting to know him. Don't worry about it. Stop wringing your hands. Crawl back out of your own ass. Enjoy. It's a brand new decade and you need to look good in that brand new decade. And the best way to look good in a brand new decade is with some brand new clothes from Everlane. They make sturdy, simple, good looking clothes, all using the finest materials without traditional markups. Everlane wants you to know what you're paying for and why. So they tell you their real costs and they're radically transparent about every step in their process from the materials they use to the ethical factories they work with. No matter your style or preference, Everlane's clothes look better, cost less, and last longer. Because Everlane sells directly to you, their prices are 30 to 50% lower than traditional retailers. Essentials, like their Cotton Crew t-shirts, I'm wearing one right now, are exactly what they should be. Versatile, simple, stylish, and made from quality materials. They have a beautiful selection of 100% grade A cashmere. I love their premium Japanese denim. Their re-wool jackets, made from premium recycled wool, look amazing. Their jumpsuits for women are looking mighty foxy too, if you do ask me. Be sure to check out their holiday gift guide for some great ideas and check out our personalized collection at everlane.com slash savage. Plus, you'll get free shipping on your first order. That's everlane.com slash savage, everlane.com slash savage. Hi, Dan. I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on 
exchanging or giving gifts to a fuck buddy or a friend with benefits type person. Obviously, I know it's one of those situations where I can just open my mouth and ask the other person, but what are your thoughts? Is it weird? Does it have some sort of implication that you might be looking for something more? Um, Yeah. What are your thoughts? Something small, something thoughtful, something you give that person without any expectation that they got you a gift in return, something that maybe you offer to that person with the assurance that you didn't expect them to get you a gift and you're not angry at them for not getting you a gift. You just saw this and thought of them and wanted them to have it. Emphasis on something small. If it's a friends with benefit relationship, getting them a little gift, something that costs less than $25 that made you think of them or that you knew they would like, maybe something that's specifically sexual. You know, if you have a friends with benefit relationship and your partner your FWB partner, your fuck buddy, as we used to call them, uh, is really into cock rings or really into tit clamps, picking them up a cock ring or a tit clamp. I think that's appropriate. Picking up a tit clamp, of course, a pair of tit clamps, picking them up a cock ring or a pair of tit clamps is, you know, in the context or spirit of that friends with benefit relationship, because that's something that you two can use and enjoy together. Getting them a car with a giant bow on it, inappropriate. Getting them something expensive or sentimental, inappropriate, but something small, something thoughtful, something that makes sense for the relationship that you have or can be enjoyed in the context of the relationship you have. If every time you get together with your FWB, you both have a glass of wine, getting them a nice bottle of wine for that next time, that can be thoughtful. So I will allow it. You may get your FWB a small and thoughtful gift. Here at the Lovecast, you know we are on a mission to improve your sex life, both in quantity and quality. It's one of the main reasons I'm here. It's probably one of the main reasons you're listening. And so it is incumbent upon me to recommend the best mattress for the best possible fucking and then the soundest night's sleep afterwards. And that mattress comes from Helix Sleep. Helix Sleep has a quiz that takes just two minutes to complete and matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. If you like a mattress that's really soft or firm, or if you sleep on your side, or you sleep on your back or your stomach, or you're one of those people who heats up at night in your sleep, with Helix, there's a specific mattress for each and everybody's unique taste, preferences, and body heat type. And you don't need to take their word for it. Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress of 2019 by GQ and Wired Magazine. Helix also actually designs their mattresses with sex in mind. All of their mattresses are hybrids, meaning they have both foam and springs in them. Unlike many other companies, having springs in your mattress rather than just foam keeps you from sinking in too much and gives you the perfect level of bounce when you need to bounce. Their high-quality springs are incredibly quiet and won't sag even during your non-sleeping activities. Helix mattresses also have strong edge support thanks to their reinforced coil perimeter. Those keep things stable so you never have to worry about rolling off the bed no matter what you're doing on it. Terry and I took the quiz and we were matched with their Midnight Helix mattress because we wanted something that felt firm and we tend to move around a bit at night, even when we're asleep. It's in the mail and I'll let you guys know what we think of it after it arrives. In the meantime, you can go to helixsleep.com slash savage, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10-year warranty and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it. 
but you're going to love it. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash savage. Again, that's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash savage for up to $200 off. Hi, Dan. I am a cis straight woman in my 30s living on the East Coast. My husband and I recently opened our relationship as I've always been curious about sleeping with other people, and he's actually away for work nearly six months out of the year. Part of our agreement is that I actually don't have to tell him anything about my various trysts. And while I've told him about most of my experiences, I recently had a really negative sexual experience take place, and I'm trying to figure it out. I went to a Christmas party where I drank a lot in a very short amount of time and ended up blacking out. And the last thing I remember is a friend handing me a drink, and then after that, I've got nothing except for some, like, one-second fragments. I remember making out with a coworker. I remember waking up and throwing up an Uber. I remember this coworker cleaning puke out of my hair. And then I remember saying my husband would be okay with me fucking him. Then I remember his dick going into my ass, which is something under sober circumstances I never would have agreed to. And the next thing I remember is waking up and like in an episode of Law and Order SVU with all my clothes on except for my underwear. Then I agreed to have consensual sex with this person because I literally did not remember what had happened just hours earlier because I might be an idiot. I don't think the other guy was sober enough to know what he was doing either. He couldn't even remember whether or not he came, let alone where he came or whether he used a condom. And I don't think he knows that I was blacked out. I just don't know whether or not to tell my husband what happened because this is a person he knows and I don't want my husband to get upset or to feel like he can't leave town anymore because... I can't take care of myself or something. I mean, sure, I'm lonely because he's not around a lot, but opening a relationship was supposed to be about exploration for me and not to prove to my husband that I'm helpless and I can't be alone. Also, I don't know whether or not I was raped. Obviously, I consented to something, but I can't remember when or what or how of the any of it. This is a cautionary tale. This is a lesson that, you need to learn. Don't drink so much. Don't drink so much at office Christmas parties. And I'm not saying this to you as a woman, although women are likely to be subjected to sexual violence. I think women should bear in mind that the more incapacitated they are in a place where there are people who might be tempted to prey on them, the easier they are to prey on. I say this as someone who had to learn this lesson himself, himself. I got shit face drunk in a gay bar like Four Long Island iced teas in the 80s, a million years ago, and learned a lesson, which was I shouldn't drink so fucking much. I shouldn't make myself that vulnerable in a room full of people that I barely know or don't know. And I can't say that I've maintained a perfect record over the ensuing decades, but I haven't ever had four Long Island iced teas in 45 minutes ever again because I don't want to incapacitate myself. Because I don't want to make myself easy prey. You ask if you were raped. You ask me if you were raped. Sounds like you feel that you were violated, certainly. You have memories of engaging in sex acts that you wouldn't have engaged in sober. But you also know that you were blacked out. And you also know that the other person in the room was just as incapacitated by alcohol as you are. And all of that adds up to you'll never ultimately be able to know whether or not you were raped. Maybe he was faking it. Maybe he was stone cold sober and preyed on you, but you'll never be able to determine that with any 
certainty. As for whether you should tell the husband, you say you have an open relationship and you aren't obligated to tell each other about your adventures, or in this case, a misadventure. I don't think that you should tell your husband. If you can, without his support or without him badgering you about it, really commit not to get this hammered again in the future. You know, there are people out there who will consent when they're drunk to sex acts or consent to having sex with certain people when they're really hammered that they wouldn't consent to or people they wouldn't want to have sex with when they weren't so fucking hammered. And the takeaway there is don't get so fucking hammered that you end up doing things or consenting to things or finding yourself in circumstances where you're filled with regret and self-loathing and doubt afterwards. Alcohol is the problem here. Alcohol was your problem here. It sounds like alcohol was that guy's problem that night. The good news is that there is something that you can do or not do about this. You cannot drink so much at parties in the future with or without coworkers. Or if you really want to get fucking hammered, get hammered at a time, get hammered in a place you're not going to have sex where sex is impossible. Get hammered in convent. Hi, Dan. I am a trans woman who has been transitioning for several years now in a relationship with a wonderful cis woman, and we are very much in love and are both working towards building a life together. By and large, our relationship feels very stable. Our communication feels healthier than any other relationship I've ever been in, and she has told me that she feels the same way. We both work hard to advocate our needs and establish boundaries when necessary, and we've built a lot of trust over the course of our relationship. Now, as a trans woman, I experience a significant amount of dysphoria fairly regularly. Sometimes it's just a small nagging feeling in the back of my mind and sometimes it can really ruin my day. I have not yet had surgery down below and I very much identify as a bottom, so this means a lot of anal for me. We're both starting to explore kinky things like role play, impact play, mild bondage, blindfolds, collars, etc. Now, 75% of the time, butt stuff works out great and there's no issues. I've been putting things in my butt for over a decade or for over a decade and know my way around that kind of activity quite well. That being said, a few things aggravate my dysphoria more than when anal doesn't work out for me. We aren't living together and currently both have busy shifting schedules, meaning there are a lot of nights where there isn't time to prepare a douche until we're already hanging out. Sometimes I end up spending an hour or two in the bathroom getting ready, and if our time together that day is limited, that's an hour or two I'd rather be spending with my partner doing literally anything else. There are days when I don't even try for that reason. Ending up with shit on her hand or on the strap-on is my absolute worst nightmare and is sure to trigger a dysphoric episode. I have a pretty healthy diet and drink lots of water, but sometimes, no matter how much I plan ahead, it doesn't go the way I want it to. The end result here is that there's a good amount of times when I end up feeling sexually unsatisfied or caught in a depressive spiral because of body anxieties. Oftentimes, when I find myself in that kind of state, I have a tendency to shut down and not talk about what I'm thinking or feeling. My partner knows all about my dysphoria and the complexities of my gender experience, but I know that it's really hard for her to see sometimes. I know she wants to be there for me and hold me and make me feel loved and safe, but I also know that managing my triggers are no one's responsibility but my own, and the last thing I want to do is turn her into my therapist. I know she loves me and is here for me and definitely wants to fuck me and get me off because she's a total service top, but I feel like I need to be better at dealing with these feelings and situations when they come up because I can tell it's starting to weigh on her when it happens. 
I'm currently seeking a therapist, but finding an affordable therapist that's trans-informed has been quite a struggle. So I guess my question is multi-pronged. Are there any tips you have for a safer, cleaner sodomy that you can think of that maybe I haven't tried? Any thoughts on how to navigate triggers brought on by sexy or tricky sexual situations? Or if it's not working out, should we just engage in different kinds of activity? Um, or just any other thoughts or feedback you have? Engaging in different activities if it's not working out is a good way to manage your trigger. But if you discover it's not working out because there's shit on her hands or shit on her strap-on and it triggers you, well, then it's too late. You're triggered. Too late to shift to activities that aren't going to trigger you. So you really do have to pick your poison here. Either you do need to do what you need to do so that you don't have to worry about it and you don't risk being triggered, which is take the time, the hour or 90 minutes or whatever it is for you to douche, to use an anal bulb and put some, you know, put that cup of water up your butt and then squirt it out and repeat and repeat and repeat until the water is running clear and then you can relax. And if you don't want to take the time to douche because you'd rather be spending that time with your partner, well, then be intimate without penetration. Get off in other ways. A couple of tips though, if you really want to skip the douching and you still want to be penetrated, instead of a strap-on that goes in and out of your ass or a dildo that's going in and out of your ass, get a butt plug that you put in your ass and it stays there. And there are butt plugs that have large flared bases. There are also butt plugs that have basically handles. So there can still be some movement and pressure instead of her taking the toy, using a strap on and it going in and out of your ass and kind of that plunger effect that if you are not douched or good to go can draw out what you fear. Uh, it provides you with that sensation of pressure and sometimes that sensation of you know being fucked without the in and out that can lead to disaster. You can also use a female condom, which you know, an ass can liner, a trash can liner that you put the condom in the orifice that you're going to penetrate. And then the toy or the dildo or the penis goes in and out of the condom or the fingers go in and out of the condom. The condom doesn't go in and out of the orifice and the fingers and the toys will emerge clean from the condom. And then you can excuse yourself after the play, after everybody's gotten off and go to the bathroom and remove the condom, turning it inside out as you do, and then tossing it. Possible to do that in the dark. Take it from me. It's possible to do that without even looking at the condom that you're removing, uh, and therefore then avoiding your trigger even more effectively if indeed there's anything on the condom. Hey, Dan. It, I guess the way to put this is my boyfriend is kind of jealous of one of my closest friends, but what he doesn't understand is that I... This friend is not my type. He's very much so a gym bro, and he likes working out, and he's objectively attractive, yes, but not to me. I'm into nerdy guys, which my boyfriend fits that picture well. He's has a slim physique and wears the glasses and all that jazz, and I love him, and I think he is the most sexy man alive, but he's so jealous of this person that he kind of won't ever hang out if we ever have the opportunity to hang out with him. And I just listened to your call about the boyfriend who's jealous of her old of his girlfriend's work friend and how you told him that he should just go out and get a drink with them. And I have 
tried to tell us to my boyfriend many times, just meet the guy. I think you'll really like him. He's funny. He's a jokester. But he's so obsessed with this idea that maybe, like, he doesn't even accuse me of liking him. And it doesn't matter how many times I tell him, these kind of guys are not my type. He seems to think, like, any time there's a, I guess, what do you say, like, metro-attractive kind of guy, a guy that cares about how he looks and, you know, works out and blah, blah, blah. He feels a little threatened by them. And I, it doesn't seem to matter how many times I tell him that these men are not my type. And he still seems to be threatened by them. And he doesn't understand that I think only he is attractive. So we've had this conversation a couple of times and I kind of don't know how to get through his head that my best friend is not someone I'm into in any way, shape or form sexually. So there's no threat there. I recently told the guy in the column that he could accommodate his partner's irrational insecurity about some old photos that he'd saved by telling her that he'd deleted them when he hadn't because they were stored away on an old computer that he barely ever looked at in files he never looked at and on a computer that his girlfriend didn't have access to. So just tell her they were gone to you know, work around her irrational insecurity. He wasn't leaving her for these girls. He wasn't even looking at these old pictures, but he didn't want to delete them for sentimental reasons. Maybe he wants to look at them when he's 80 before he dies. Who knows? But this isn't a case where that kind of workaround is going to help because your boyfriend does have to look at this guy. He's your best friend and you'd like to be able to hang out the three of you and your boyfriend is threatened by this guy. And it may have nothing to do with your taste or preference in men. This guy sounds more conventionally attractive than your boyfriend. If your boyfriend's the skinny nerd with the glasses, maybe your best friend who isn't your sexual type is the type who used to torment and pick on your boyfriend. Those gym-going, muscly, well-dressed dude bros, you know, in the cliche in Hollywood movie narrative, tend to pick on the nerds and the geeks and the thin guys with the glasses. And maybe that partly informs his dislike or discomfort around your best friend. It has nothing to do with whether you're going to run off with him and everything to do with it not being the type of person he's comfortable being around because of past experiences with other guys who are his type. And you can endlessly drill down on this with your boyfriend. You can show your boyfriend the pictures of every guy you've ever dated and they all look just like him. You can show your boyfriend all the porn you watch, which features exclusively skinny, nerdy guys with glasses and no muscular, well-dressed, gym-going bro guys. And it may never put his insecurity fully to rest. The workaround that you may have to deploy around your boyfriend's insecurity is just not asking him to hang out with you and your bestie for you to see your best friend that your boyfriend may come to understand, you know, in his non reptile brain, isn't someone that you're interested in sexually and isn't in competition for you, but never will understand his reptile brain will always be threatened by that. You may have to see him alone and that's good. It's good to have friends that you see without your romantic partners. It's, it's good to have some zones of autonomy. It's good to have a social life that isn't completely sort of folded together and enmeshed with your romantic partner. So every once in a while you tell your boyfriend, I'm going to go hang out with Josh or whatever the fuck his name is tonight. So if this was the night you wanted to see that movie, I didn't want to see, maybe you could go see that with a friend and just don't force them together. Let your boyfriend have his insecurity, offer your boyfriend all the reasonable assurances that you can, but don't lose your patience. If he can't get over 
his slightly irrational insecurity would be helpful if he could acknowledge it's an irrational insecurity once he sees all the pictures of your past boyfriends and all the guys you jack off to in the porn that you watch. But he doesn't have to get over it for your relationship to be a success. You just need to work around that accommodates it. That's sometimes what we have to do with our partner's irrational insecurities. Not cure them, not root them out, step around them. All right, before we get to response calls, let's read your tweets. Babylon Leather tweets at Fake Dan Savage on episode 687 of the Savage Lovecast. You used the term assless chaps, and all chaps are, by definition, assless. Otherwise, they'd just be leather pants. It's like saying roofless convertible, just say leather chaps. Sincerely, a leather smith. But assless chaps is just so much more fun to say than chaps or leather chaps. And usually when someone qualifies chaps with assless, what they mean are a certain kind of super tight, sexy chaps that are for sex and the kind of baboonish presentation of the ass. And assless chaps, when you say that, does not call to mind those sort of cowboy leather duster chaps. It calls to mind a very specific kind of black leather popular with gay men chaps. You know what I mean when I say assless chaps, and I'm going to continue to say assless chaps. You're just going to have to allow me. The Vicky May tweets, I got the win I didn't know I needed while listening to the Savage Lovecast. When a caller asked, what do I do? I said out loud, run for the hills. Then at Fake Dan Savage said, you run. Is there anything more satisfying than this? I doubt it. And finally, Samuel K. tweets, Attention, Savage Lovecast listeners, you may be listening for fun, but please try to remember Dan's advice. It was only after I'd pulled out of a random hookup and was staring at the shredded condom on my dick that I remembered Dan saying once that coconut oil and latex don't mix. Samuel K. has zero followers on Twitter, so this may be the biggest signal boost I've ever given anyone. All right. If you want me to read your tweet on an upcoming episode of the Savage Lovecast, be sure to include the hashtag Savage Lovecast. And now your response calls. Hi, this call is in response to episode 689 with the woman who has the fetish for getting pregnant, even though she doesn't want to. I think Dan totally nailed his advice. Um, I've been in a similar situation, actually, where I was with a girl I hadn't known that long. We were hooking up and she told me up front that she'd like to say certain things during sex and she didn't mean it. And then I you know, hadn't experienced that before, but as we got into it, she started to tell me how she loved me and she wanted me to come inside of her and make her pregnant. And it was so fucking hot, especially though, because she had been up front about how like what we say during sex isn't what we mean after, because otherwise it would have been kind of strange given we just met. But because she put that up front, it was fucking amazing. So hopefully uh, the caller's boyfriend feels the same way. Hi, Dan. I'm calling about the caller whose extremely bigoted sister was asking him to be the man of honor at her wedding. First of all, thanks for the broken toaster advice. I thought that was wonderful. I also thought maybe a piece of advice for that caller while he stays home and doesn't attend the wedding of this terrible bigot is to seek someone professional to talk to. What it sounds like he's experiencing is a grief for a sister who isn't there anymore. You know, this ally, this wonderful person that he knew before, you know, doesn't exist. And there's a kind of grief that goes along with that. And unfortunately, because of her choices to become a terrible bigot, that means that he has lost someone important in his life. And I think those feelings are really valid for him to work through. And good luck to him. And I really hope you took Dan's advice and don't go to that terrible, terrible wedding. This is for the caller with the racist, bigoted sister. I think you should send them a letter saying 
for your wedding gift, I have donated X dollars to the ACLU in your honor. And we're going to leave it there. 206-302-2064 is the number here at the Savage Lovecast. If you'd like to record a question or a comment for a future show, give us a buzz, 206-302-2064. Better yet, use the voicemail app on your phone to record your question and email that to us at voicemail at savagelovecast.com. Hump, my dirty little porn film festival, is touring the country coming soon. In a theater near you, go to humpfilmfest.com for dates and tickets and more information. Follow me on Twitter at FakeDanSavage. Follow John Moe on Twitter at John Moe. The Savage Lovecast is produced every week by Nancy Hartunian and me and the tech savvy at risk youth and Nancy. We'll be back at you next week with an installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for downloading.